Amen. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God confirms His Word with signs following? You ought to just say that. Get in the habit of, I started, the Holy Spirit dealt with me, said, you just need to make that your confession when you're reading your Bible every day. You get your Bible out, you read it, you thank God that He gives you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You know, I pray that prayer. Lord, thank You that You give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Thank You that my heart's good ground, that I receive the seed of Your Word. And I thank You that You confirm Your Word with signs following. Well, what signs? What signs do you need? Amen. Need healing in your body? The Bible says He sent His Word and healed them. Huh? The Bible says that my God supplies all of my needs according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Who's Jesus? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen? Every need that you have, God, you can just, just begin to make a demand on the Word. Expect God that when you're putting the Word in you, then you and you get a revelation of it, and faith begins to spring up in your heart that God confirms the, His Word in your life with the accompanying signs. Amen? Well, this evening we're going to continue. Um, this is part four of a series we titled The Mountain Relocation Project. And we want to go ahead, if you have your Bibles, open up to Mark eleven twenty-three. This should be familiar scripture for most of you. Amen. If not, by the time the series is over, this should be familiar. Amen. Mark 11, actually I'm going to back up and get verse 22. It says, And Jesus answered to them, His disciples, Have faith in God. Amen. We emphasize that. You can, you can have misplaced faith. But Jesus said, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it shall be granted him. Amen. And then Second uh, Corinthians, Second Corinthians, chapter ten. While you're turning there, we want to remind you. Jesus said, "Whosoever shall speak to this mountain," we said that a mountain it literally means anything that rises up against you. Have you had anything right? Anything that rises that it literally means anything. It is something that rises up against you. In other words, something that rises up against you that's contrary to God's Word. Amen? If something rises up that's stealing your peace, the Bible says that we're to cast all our cares upon the Lord. The Bible says, it says that uh, great, those who keep their mind stayed upon the Lord will, he, will have perfect peace. Amen? So if something's stealing your peace, you can't sleep good at night. You've got an upset stomach. You just don't have, you're, you don't have any peace. Well, that's a mountain. Amen? If you've got financial lack in your life, you've, you know, you're being, uh, you know, your finances, you've got more bills than you've got paycheck. Amen? That's an attack on your finances. You need to look to the Word. Number one, find out, am I being a good steward? Uh, am I being obedient to the Word? And if everything's, if you're, if everything, if you're in, that's what we call righteousness, right standing with the governing authority. If everything, if you're doing everything right, you're tithing, you're giving, you're being obedient and you're giving, well then guess what? That's a mountain that's raised up against you and you can begin to speak to it God's Word, saying God's, what God's Word says to it. If it's sickness in your body, if, it, if, there, if there's sickness in your body that's being an obstruction to you from being able to fulfill your purpose and your assignment on the earth, guess what? That's a mountain that's raised up against you. And, and Jesus said, you know, I know a lot of people think that Kenneth E. Hagin made that verse up because he quoted it so much. You know, Rhema Bible Training Center, you have Mark eleven twenty three and 24. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou cast into the sea. Okay? Brother Hagin didn't write that. This is the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church, said this. And so Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 6 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing that everything every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. And notice here it says we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We're talking about a mountain. Remember, a mountain is anything that's raised up against you. And so hopefully you'll understand and you're starting to get the idea that really, you know, uh, Joyce Myers wrote a book uh, a few years back uh, called Battlefield of the Mind. And we've said this before, you are a spirit being. The real you, you are a spirit. This stuff here, you know, some people call it your earth suit. You know, you have to have a body 
the, the, the real you is a spirit. This goes back to the triune nature of man. You have a spirit. You live in a body. You, you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. Your spirit is the real you, that eternal part of you uh, that God, bre- that God uh, made eternal in his likeness and in his image. Your soul is your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions, and, of course, your body. That's easy for us to determine. But you notice, I'll say this. If you will notice what I teach, what Pastor Earl teaches, uh, what, what you're being taught here at Anchor Faith Church, anybody could come in, a, vis, a guest could come in and sit down one time and hear the teaching and benefit tremendously from it. But this is where even greater benefit comes from. If you realize what we're teaching, man, it is all interconnected. Pastor Earl, he's, he's teaching on kingdom thinking. He's talking about getting your thinking straight. Well, you know, if you can't get your thinking straight, your faith's not going to be straight. Hmm? You know, we're, I, I'm, I, I, hopefully I'll get to touch on it a little bit this evening. <clears throat> I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, and I just feel like I want to revisit some stuff. But when we talked about feigned faith, that's really a spirit of deception. And Pastor Earl, he did the teach, he did six-week teaching on, uh, on deceiving spirits. And so all of this stuff... You can take any sermon, any teaching, and listen to it, and it'd be good. A good, uh, it'll feed your faith. It'll feed, it'll help your faith grow. It can benefit you spiritually. Just that standalone sermon. But when you begin to realize, man, you you know, get get the CDs that we have available. Go online, listen to the podcast. You know, you're going to listen to something anyway while you're driving across town. Might as well make it the word. Put it in there and realize all of this stuff. It builds together. And, it, and it's reinforcing uh, each other. But uh, so a mount, you know, the mountains that raise up against your life, Jesus said that you have to speak to those things. And, and so he said, have faith in God. And this is just a quick review. We found out that faith is, is literally is a strong persuasion or conviction. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, the handout that we've got, your study handout that we have this evening, over in the margin... I put this, this is the, uh, the Brian Adkins Amplified Translation of, uh, Amplified Definition of what faith is. Faith is a persuasion, belief, or conviction based on the Word of God, rightly divided, that is so strongly held to that it governs or controls what a person thinks, says, or does. Amen? Now, I know I've always said this before, well, your faith governs what you think, say, and do. But this is really, this is expanding on that a little bit. And I know some of you go, oh, Pastor Brian, we've heard that before. But like one of my instructors at Rama said, Doug Jones is really redundant. Amen means he repeats himself a lot. Why? Because I know I don't get everything the first time. I know you don't get everything the first time. And even if you get it, the Bible talks about stirring up your, uh, your faith by way of remembrance. Stirring things up, bringing things back, keeping it before you. Because this thing, if we don't keep it before us, it's easily forgot. So faith is a persuasion, a belief, or conviction based on the Word of God. And I put rightly divided. Second Timothy talks about rightly dividing the Word. And we'll get to that uh, later because if you can rightly divide the Word, you can wrongly divide it, right? And how many of you know you can get in the Word and you can, uh, and you can know the Word and know the Word and know the Word, but if the Word you know is not rightly divided, it can, be, it can destroy you. Amen. Amen? Because you, take something, you can take something that God said or you can take a story in the Bible, you can take a principle in the Bible and lift it out of its context and misapply that to your life and you can destroy yourself. You can absolutely destroy yourself. Um, but... Faith is a persuasion, belief, conviction based on the Word of God, rightly divided and so strongly held to that it governs and controls what a person thinks, says, and does. And so we want to just absolutely stress this to you that it is a, that, that biblically speaking, faith is a, you don't get shook easy. You, it's not something that's easily cast off. Yet it, it concerns me for people that will, can just, that'll church hop and go from one church to the to another and be there and hear something talk. Now, this is one, you know, and I'm just putting this out there. Don't anybody think I'm talking about anybody, okay? Can, this is the disclaimer. I have nobody in mind when I'm saying this, okay? But how do you go from a church that believes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, believes in uh, the gifts of the Spirit, believes in miracles, 
and you go there and you're a part of that for years and years and years and then walk away from that and go get involved and, and you're going to another church. He said, I, I just don't believe in that stuff. You never, that tells me that, that person maybe didn't have faith, didn't really have any real biblical faith about that in the first place. Because what I'm talking about, we're not talking about opinion. The Bible doesn't say the just shall live by opinion. Jesus didn't say, have an opinion about God and speak to the mountain, it'll be moved. Jesus said, have faith. And we have had for too long in the church, especially in America, such a watered-down understanding of what faith is, that what we call faith, if God looked at it, God would say, Jesus said, when I return to the earth, will I find faith? We've had such a watered-down understanding of what faith was that when if the Lord Jesus came back and looked at it, He'd go, what's this? What is it? Because people will change their so-called faith at the drop of a hat. You know, somebody, you know, somebody they get in a group of peers. Oh, you don't believe that stuff, do you? Man, you don't believe that speaking in tongues stuff, do you? Well, I heard that stuff, stuff that, well, you know, I, I go to the church, but you know, I don't really believe in that. Because you understand this. Understand this. I don't preach and teach, and Pastor Earl doesn't preach and teach speaking in tongues as much as we do getting baptized in the Holy Ghost, and it's something that happens after you get born again. You, now, you can get born again and almost immediately get filled with the Holy Ghost because that's what happened in Cornelius' house, Right? Peter was preaching, they believed the Word, they got born again, and the Holy Ghost fell on them immediately, and they spoke in tongues. But you can go all through the book of Acts, and if you want to keep the debate within the Bible, and you look at the Bible, every incident in the Bible where people got filled with the Holy Ghost, they they spoke in tongues. And it was something that happened, there's examples in the Bible where it happened after someone became born again, there are times where it happened almost immediately, uh, so close together that it looked simultaneous. But every time, every time, oh, Pastor Brian, not every time, every time in the book of Acts when someone received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they spoke with tongues. I remember my pastor uh, in Huntington, Pastor Daryl Huffman, used to say, a lot of people say, well, I want the Holy Ghost, but I don't want the tongues. <clears throat> and you know what? That doctrine has invaded a whole lot of charismatic churches so-called charismatic churches now, they go, oh, well, you know, if we lay hands on people and they get filled with the Holy Ghost, and they may or they may not speak in tongues. Why? Because they're, the, they're trying to itch some, scratch some people's ears. The Bible said in the last days there'd be people they'd heap together for themselves, teachers having itching ears. In other words, I don't believe it that way, so I'm going to go shopping in the spiritual marketplace and find me a preacher that preaches it the way I believe. So now, darling, you better go someplace where they teach the Word at, because this is scary. It is a scary place to be in when people say, I'm going to look around till I find a church that teaches it the way I believe. Well, darling, what if you believe wrong? What if you believe wrong? What if the Bible says something different than what you believe? You need to be the one. Sh- Who needs to change? If the Bible says people got born again, they got filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spoke in tongues, and you don't believe that, but it's in the Bible if you will look at it, because this is the trouble. Most people don't even want to look at it. Well, I just don't believe it that way. Excuse me? We're talking about God's Word here. We're not talking about an opinion journal. We're not talking about an op-ed piece in the Valdosta Daily Times that you just don't see it that way. We're talking about the Word of God. Well, I, you know, everybody's, you know, I just don't believe it that way. I just don't interpret it that way. Well, what way do you interpret it? Because the Bible says there's no private interpretation of Scripture. What's that mean? That means that... Now, that, that I can't read a passage of Scripture or, or, or study on a topic, and Jimmy read and study on the topic, and both of us come up with two opposing, two opposing interpretations of it. Now, you understand this, that the Holy Spirit could show Jimmy something that I hadn't got a revelation of yet from, a, from studying a particular subject or passage of Scripture. Yeah, that happens all the time, because guess what? None of us, there's, the, the revelation in the Bible is inexhaustible. You're never going to get all. But... Any revelation that's rightly divided and is a right interpretation of something in the, in the Word, it's not going to contradict what somebody else got. It'll complement it, right? Okay? So you understand this? It, it's keeping it in the Word. How do you walk away from that? How do, so back to that, the, the talking about convictions, you just can't move off of it. 
You just can't move on. I'm going to tell you what. How many of you ever heard of a book called Fox's Book of Martyrs? Fox's Book of Christian Martyrs. I'm going to tell you what. You ought to read some of that. It, 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 there's actually, it's, it's a portion of a larger volume of, of work uh, called Fox's Book of Martyrs, which he talks about martyrs of all kinds of uh, different beliefs and faiths in the world. Um, but there's a section in it on Christian martyrs. And this guy, he gathered stories about believers who, uh, all the way back to the time of the apostles and the early church, through the inquisitions, how many of you know what the inquisitions were? You know, when the, when the Catholic church uh, was uh, persecuting Protestant believers and they would get them and they would take them and torture them. And some of the most grueling tortures that you can imagine. I remember reading stories, there was people, they would tie people down on tables and take a rag and roll it in broken glass, like burlap, rough cloth, roll it in broken glass and cram it down someone's throat with a stick. Just stick it, I mean, stick it past their gag spot, people be throwing up and cram it down their esophagus and, their, and, and then pull that rag out slowly and tell them, look, all you got to do is recant your Protestant faith and, and say that the only true church is the Catholic church. And some people did, some people didn't. Some people died. Some of the most group, they put them on the rack and would stretch them out until their, until their stomach would just rupture and their intestines would just spill out, torturing them. And all they wanted them to do was to recant on their faith. Slow, torturous deaths that all you had to do and, and you know what's that? If some people say, well, you know what? They could have just said, I recant, and there's only and, and they could have cast that off. And, sh- and then surely God would have understood. God would have, God would have understood, and they could have asked God to forgive them later, couldn't they? Is that a conviction? Is it faith? Well, you say, what's your point, Pastor? Well, my point is, is we've got to come to a realization that faith ain't just something you, that, that if you've really got faith in it, you can't get budged off of it real easy. It's going to take it, every little storm, every little puff of, of doctrine. Huh? What's it say in Ephesians chapter 4? When it's talking about the ministry gifts, it says, The apostle, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists are given for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, that we might come to the full stature of, of, of the man, that we might mature so that we're not tossed to and fro by every little wind of doctrine. You ought, not believe, you ought to be real careful, real selective about what you say, I believe and I have faith in. You should examine it. Amen? We're going to talk. You should examine. And then once you say, I accept this as the truth of God's Word, man, hell ought not be. All hell, the, the old song, there's an old hymn called, I Shall Not Be Moved. Huh? How many of you heard that? Though all hell assail me, I shall not be moved. Amen? You, you, plant, you, you, you put your foot down, you plant your flag, and you say, I ain't moving up off this. Unless, unless, the word, unless I'm shown in the Word that I'm wrong, I do not move. And you, and, and, you, and you need to understand this. There's some things in Scripture. How many of you ever heard the phrase, uh, you know, um, someone, you've heard this phrase, uh, someone found a hill to die on. You know what that phrase means? Is that there's something that you have found that is just absolutely so important that you are not willing to compromise whatsoever. And if it means you die over that, you die over it. Right? That's the way your faith needs to be in God's Word. We need to be as tenacious as bulldogs. It ought not be, we ought not have this, you know, que sera, sera attitude about our faith. Because that's not going to move mountains. Opinion doesn't move mountains. Faith in God's Word moves mountains. Amen? So, let's take a look at this. We want to talk to you a little bit this thing about how do we get this faith? Because this is the thing. You understand, it, this is the most powerful thing that we have in the Christian arsenal. It's faith. Some will say, oh, I disagree, Pastor Brown. What about the Holy Ghost? How do you get the Holy Ghost? you get, you got to get saved first, right? How do you get saved? We're saved by grace through faith, right? Okay. God's benefit and favor through belief in His Word, right? So you get that. Then you're born again. And everything you receive from God, you receive it by faith because faith is the currency of the kingdom. It's a medium of exchange. God gives you the material you need to, to have faith in your life, and then you use your faith as a medium of, of exchange to obtain the things from God, right? 
So, how do we get this faith? How do we get this thing? Well, first of all, I want to let you know faith... Um, where's this verse at? Help me, Lord. Um, turn to Second Peter chapter 1 real quick. Second Peter chapter 1. says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, the New King James Version says, who have received like precious faith. In other words, Peter's saying, he's writing this letter to the church and he's writing it to them and he's saying, I'm writing this to people who have received like, and that just means similar or the same. He's saying, you have received the same precious faith that I have. Well, so we see that, 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 that the Bible calls faith something precious. It's something valuable, right? Well, we want to find out how we get this precious, valuable faith. Turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I'm going to back up to verse 13, and I'm going to read this passage to you. Romans 10, starting with verse 13, says, For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then shall they call upon Him in whom they have not believed, and how shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, notice this. That word preacher, that's not talking about fivefold ministry gift. Preacher is one who proclaims. Now, Someone who is one of the fivefold ministry gifts certainly can preach, but you understand to preach just means to proclaim. We're all called to preach. You're all called to proclaim something. You know what? You you know, you wear a shirt out. Now this this one doesn't have a tag. You wear a shirt out that's got a tag on it or a brand name on it. You're proclaiming something, right? You go out, people put bumper stickers. Anytime you wear a brand of something, you get something got branded, you're going out, you're advertising for that. You're, you're proclaiming, hey, this is a product that I like. I spend my money on it. I've spent my money on this product. Okay? We're all called to preach. It says, how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they're sent? Just as is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad, uh, bring glad tidings of good things. However, they did not all heed the glad tidings, for Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? Verse 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ, and hearing by the word of Christ. Amen? This is how faith comes. Now, I'm going to say this. One of our instructors when we were at Bible school said, the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He said, I'm going to say this. And he said, and I remember it so clearly, what well, was it, 11, 12 years ago. He said, half, he said, over half of you probably forget this when you, leave, uh, when you leave. He said, faith comes by hearing and accepting as truth. Amen, that's on your handout. Faith comes by hearing and accepting as truth. You say, oh now, uh, Pastor, you're adding to the Scripture. It just says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Turn to Hebrews. Turn to Hebrews chapter 4 real quick. And while you're turning, I'm going to give you an example real quick. Some people think, well, I just sit and I hear the Word. I'll just listen to it all day. I'm going to demonstrate something to you real easily right here. Do you know that it's possible for someone to every waking hour of the day have a radio going in their house, having good Bible teaching going on? And I'll, and I'll tell you this. No matter how much teaching you listen to, that's a supplement to the Word. I'll tell people, man, get you the Bible on CD, get it on MP3, and listen to the Bible. If you've got an hour that you're doing something to listen to something, man, listen to the Word for 45 minutes and stick some teaching on. Teaching's good, but you understand it don't take the place of the Word. You've got to have the Word. And I'll show you, and I'll show you why you have to have the Word to have the most effective, productive, most mountain-moving faith you can have, you've got to have the Word. 
But uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. For indeed we have had the good news preached to us just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard it. New King James Version, I believe, says it was not mixed with faith. So, and to give you the context, he's talking about, they, they spent the previous portions of the chapter talking about the children of Israel, how God delivered them from Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. They went across on dry ground. As Pharaoh, when he, Pharaoh come in and tried to, to, to follow up on them, and God closed the Red Sea on, destroyed the Egyptian army, took them into the, uh, the wilderness, and, and gave them water, and gave them food, and God said, I'm taking you to a good land, it's yours, you're going to go in, you're going to take possession of it, you're going to have to fight for it, but it's yours, I've given it to you, I promised it to your ancestor Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, it's yours, you are going to take the land. God told them that. So they had that good news preached to them, and then guess what? They went in, They you remember the story, they sent the spies in, Joshua and Caleb went, and ten other men went in, and they came back, and the Bible says that they brought an evil report. Now, we, when we think of evil, we think, we think, oh man, yeah, we think um, rape, murder, some horrible crime, evil, something. That, but what did God call evil? Now, don't get me wrong, that, that stuff is evil. But God's threshold for what he considers evil is a lot different than ours because all they did, they came back and they said, oh, it's a good land just like God said, but we can't take it. And God said, that's an evil report. Why? Because it disagreed with what God had already said. God said, you could take it. It was a mountain. There was something that rised up against them, an obstacle that rose up against them. Because here's the good land. Here's the blessing that God said is yours. But something rose up in the place. Instead of speaking to the mountain, they just hunkered down. They just turned around and said, oh, we can't do it. We can't do it, man. We just can't do that. And God said, that's an evil report. That's evil. Why? Because it was unbelieving. Okay? And so this verse in Hebrews says, they had the Word of God. Man, they had it. And they had the testimony of, of miracles and signs and wonders. God miraculously delivered them. God miraculously destroyed the enemy. God miraculously made provision for them. And God said, and the same God that did all that, He said, you're going in, you're going to take it because it's yours. And they went, oh, nope, we can't do it. And guess what? It says that the Word of God... Now, now let me ask you this. Wasn't it the same Word of God that told them through, through Moses, get your stuff ready if we're getting out of here? That's the Word of God, Right? They acted on that, right? Red Sea opens up. They go, the same word that had done all those other things in their life, when it came to this other point of, you believe this, they heard the word, and guess what? They did not mix it with faith. Because remember, faith comes by hearing the word, right? I'm not, and I'm not trying to make double speak here. But there's this other element. There's this other, this other element that really makes it faith is when you hear it and you say, and you say, that's truth. I accept that as truth. Now, we're going to tell you, if you accept something as truth, okay, here's your, here's your example. If, um, If I said, um, if I said, uh, hey, you know, uh, Jimmy, uh, I, I bank over at uh, BB&T, and I'm going to call them up, and I'm going to tell them I have a little cashier, just to, to print up a cashier's check for you, and I'm going to tell them, uh, you know, get a $5,000 check uh, ready for uh, Jimmy Ruby. I'm going to have him come over and pick it up. Now, you might think I could come up with 5000 Let's make it a bigger number, $5 million. Yeah, hey, Jimmy, I'm going to call the bank and tell them to, to put a, a check up there for you, get a check ready for you for $5 million. Then you might just look at me and go, yeah, all right, Pastor Brian. Then you're not going to believe that, are you? You're not going to believe that for one minute. And you're not going to get in any hurry to go out that door and get in your car 
and drive and get that check and take care of every financial problem you got. Five million dollars would do it, wouldn't it? You ain't five million in the hole, are you? Amen. You ain't, that'd, that'd take care of it and have some left over, wouldn't it? Amen. But you would not you would not act on that at all. Why? Because you'd go, man, Pastor Brian, he ain't got no five million dollars. But say it came out, say say that it came out. Everybody come to church and there's a buzz going around. Man, did you hear? Pastor Brian won the Publishers Clearinghouse sweepstakes. <laughs> I would say lottery, but everybody backslide in when they go, oh my God, the preacher bought a lottery ticket. Pastor Brian won Publishers Clearinghouse. Didn't you see it on? It was on the news out of Albany, man. They rolled up right in front of his house and had that big old check, you know, that big uh, six-foot-long check. Walked right up to his door, rang the doorbell. Pastor Shane was so excited, she dropped the baby right on her face. Ah! Yo, he won fifty million dollars, and he took it. And he took the lump sum settlement, so he got five million. No, I'm kidding. He got you know fifty million dollars. Really? Yeah, man. It was on the news. Wow, that's awesome. that's awesome. And you knew that I had it. And then I said, Jimmy, you know what? I was praying, man, I feel like the Lord dealt with me, and I've got all this abundance, and I believe that we're in the kingdom, I believe it's a commonwealth, and I believe I'm supposed to help my brothers and sisters. And I've been praying, and I feel like the Lord's put on my heart that, you know, you all have got some debt, that I've, I've got the ability just to take care of it. And, and I, and I want to do that for you. And, you know... Uh, you know, will will two hundred fifty thousand dollars take care of it? He'd be like, yeah, yeah, two hundred fifty thousand be good, Pastor. That'd be good, right? I said, well, I tell you what, now you just go ahead and you drive on over to BB&T right now. I'm gonna call him up. I'm gonna tell him Jimmy Ruby's coming, and I want him to have a check for two hundred fifty thousand dollars, a cashier's check for two hundred fifty thousand dollars for you, and I want you to go take care of all your bills. Now, before, how long would it take you to hit that door and turn that ignition switch in your car and peel off this parking lot? It'd be quick, wouldn't it? Why? Because you would accept it as truth then. Because before, if you didn't know I had Jack and I was promising you $5 million, you're like, he ain't got no $5 million. I don't, they ain't no need me to even act on that. Because, I gave, because words came out of my mouth, but you didn't, um, you didn't receive those as truth. Right? Because you just, you just knew. You know, he ain't got no $5 million you're going to give me. So it doesn't provoke, it does not provoke an action. But if you had information, hey, Pastor Brian won Publishers Clearinghouse sweepstakes. He's got the ability. Man, me and him are tight. We go out and eat every once in a while. He likes me. He likes me. I know he's got the ability. I know he's kindly disposed toward me. Man, he said there's two hundred fifty thousand dollars waiting over BB and T up here. Uh, I'm gone. See you later. You know we'd hear the rubber peeling going off the parking lot. It would move you to action. Why? Because you heard my word and you accepted it as truth. So, faith comes by hearing and accepting as truth. Hebrews 4.2 They heard the word, but it did not profit them because they did not mix it with faith. They did not receive it as truth. Despite the fact that God had proven time and time again that He was able to, to follow through, He was able to do it. There was no lack of ability on God's part, right? So, uh, the second thing on your hand out there, if you hear the Word of God, now this is the part where I was telling you, you need to just get the teachings, get online, load, get you, the best in, one of the best investments I can tell you to get is get you an iPod and get the podcasts uh, 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 that we put up there for free for you. Get them, listen to them, because I got this a couple weeks ago. Pastor Earl was teaching. And that's why I said while well, these teachings complement and reinforce each other, and he was talking about um, when the word comes, that it, the, that the word of God can actually harden someone's heart. And he and I, we got to talk about this. And theologians will debate. Some people say, well, you know, God hardened Pharaoh's heart just so he could drop the boom on him. How many of you ever heard people say that? Remember, because the Bible says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And and if you read it and you think about it, man, and I hope you're thinking about your faith. We spend too much time thinking about stuff that doesn't amount to a hill of beans, and we ought to be thinking about our faith. Because an unexamined faith isn't worth having. But theologians will go, oh, yes, he will now. God predestined Pharaoh just to go to hell, and God predestined him uh, just to be hard, and God made him hard, and then turned around and killed him. Well, that don't sound like a very nice God, does it? 
create someone and then make them do something wrong just so he can put the smack down on them, right? What happened? The word came to Pharaoh. What did God tell Moses? He told Moses, he said, when you go speak to Pharaoh, you will be as God and Aaron will be your mouthpiece. So the words coming out of Moses' mouth was the word of God to Pharaoh. And Moses went and he said, he said, let my people, he said, he said, this is what the Lord God, this is what Yahweh says, let my people go. What's Pharaoh go? Who is Yahweh that I should obey him? Who is the Lord that I should obey him? Well, guess what? Pharaoh could have chosen and said, oh man, I've heard of this God of yours. He's the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He was the God of Joseph who came down here four, four centuries ago and saved this country from famine and made it rich. I've, I've heard of this God. Man, go. Here's some gold. Take it with you. Be blessed. You've been a blessing to our nation. Go in peace. Could he not done that? Was it, do you not think that they could, Egypt, man, they kept records. They knew who these, they knew who the Jews were. They knew they weren't the same, the same race of people that the Egyptians were. Pharaoh could have said, I've heard of your God. Man, we're indebted to him. Go and be blessed. He could have done that. But he didn't. He heard, who is Yahweh? Who is he that I should listen to him? Get out of my face. And guess what? That heart got a little hard. Moses comes again. Thus saith the Lord, let my people go. Who is your God that I should listen to you? Time, and plague came, and plague was upon Egypt. The plagues came upon Egypt. Moses come back, let my people go. Who is God? Get out of my face. If I see you again, I'll kill you. Heart getting hard. Guess what? God was not making Pharaoh get hard. When the word comes and you are confronted with a decision, do I repent? I'm telling you all, this is just, it builds on what we have been learning for over a year. Repent means change the way you think. Because guess what, darling? Whether you want to admit it or not, whether I want to admit it or not, we all got some jacked up thinking that needs to get changed. Right? Because guess what? We ain't all got it all together. Because I hate to tell you, the Apostle Paul, I've said this before, the Apostle Paul, when he was preaching, and he's writing in Philippians, he said, not that I have already attained, but this one thing I do, I press forward to the mark or the prize of the high calling of God. In other words, Paul's saying, look, man, I ain't got it all together yet, but one thing is, I'm set, that's my intention, that's my goal, and that's what I'm working for, toward. And so that's what we got to do. So you understand this, is that we all got some repenting to do. We all got to change the way we think about some things. And so here comes the Word... And the Word says this. And you understand this. It doesn't matter how you reject it as truth because there's lots of different ways. There's not a whole lot of people. There's not a whole lot of people I've ever talked to that I've tried to share the, 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 uh, the teaching of the baptism of the Holy Spirit to. There's not been a whole lot of people I've ever shared that with that have ever looked at me and said, you know what, I just don't believe it that way. I've not met a whole lot of people that are really hurt. Now, I have met some. I've met some that have told me straight I don't care. I don't care what you say. I don't care what those verses say. I just don't believe it that way. I don't care what you say. There's nothing you can say to me to change my mind. I just don't believe it that way. I've, not, I've, met, I've met one or two people that way. Here's the other way, though. Well, you know, I just don't believe it that way. Why not? You understand this, when you say you believe something or you do not believe something's right, you better have some scriptures to back it up. You better not just have your, your opinion. Well, I just don't see it that way. Okay, well, what scripture? Maybe I'm missing something because I'm a, I'm a human. I can miss it. Maybe you've got some scriptures and you've got some enlightenment that I don't have that you can share with me and you can teach me something because I want to be teachable. Don't you want to be teachable? But the sad truth is a lot of people don't want to because the Word will make you get out of your comfort zone. You don't believe me? Try to share the, uh, the, the doctrine of tithing to someone that doesn't do it. Here's another one. Try to teach 
a, a teaching on sexual purity to someone that's hound dogging around on the weekend and uh, all week on the weekend and wanting to show up in church on Sunday and pretend like they're all right. They'll say, "I believe what goes on to consenting adults is just between them." Really? Where's that in the Bible? Amen. But the Word of God, it it this, and this is this is the thing. When you are confronted with something new from the Word that you've never heard before, or you're confronted with something that flies absolutely 100% contrary to something you believe, that you adhere to and, and hold as a belief, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? Are you going to accept that as a, as a truth? You understand this. Back to the handout. If you hear the Word of God and reject it, you will eventually harden your heart. You will harden your heart, and you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. God wants us to have hearts of flesh, hearts that can be molded. Amen? Turn to Acts chapter 17. Amen. Are you still with me? Hallelujah. Are we awake? Praise God. Acts chapter 17. Talking about how faith comes. It comes by hearing the Word. It comes by hearing God's Word. Accepting God's Word as truth. And this is the thing. If circumstances don't line up, what are you going to believe? The Word or are you going to believe circumstances? Say, well, I just think you're living... And people will tell you you're living in denial. Do you know that you can have sickness and disease in your body and still be speaking God's Word and have faith in God's Word? The Word says He's Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord God that heals. The Bible says that there are stripes placed on Jesus' back that bought my healing. Oh, but you're sick. You're just in denial, you poor thing. You're just so deluded. You're in denial. You're laying in the hospital bed and the doctor's giving you this diagnosis. The doctor told the family, just go ahead and start making funeral arrangements. And you're sitting there telling me that you're going to be... Well, you're just in denial. Are you going to let the circumstances dictate what you believe? Huh? Acts 17. And I'm going to start with verse 10. It says, And the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away. Um, they had been in Thessalonica. Uh, Paul had got in trouble again for... It's interesting. Let's back up. I'm going to back up here real quick. I like to give you these little kingdom nuggets to reinforce the fact to you Jesus only preached the kingdom of heaven. Paul preached the kingdom of heaven. Here's your little nugget. Um, in Thessalonica, verse 16 says, When they did not find them, a mob went looking for uh, Paul and Silas. It says, When they did not find them, they began dragging Jason and some of the brethren before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have upset the world have come here also, and Jason has welcomed them, and they all act contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. He was preaching the kingdom. And they stirred up the crowd and the city authorities who heard these things. And when they had received the pledge from Jason and the others, they released them. So Paul went in. He's preaching the kingdom. He said, there's another king. There's Jesus. There's a kingdom. And the accusation was, hey, they're telling us there's another king besides Caesar. Amen? Verse 10 says, And the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went to the synagogue of the Jews. Verse 11, Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. The Bible says that the believers in Berea were more noble, and this is on your sheet, or higher in rank. It, meant, it means well-born or higher in rank. They were more noble uh, or higher in rank than those in Thessalonica. Well, why? It's the, the next thing on your hand. I says, the Bereans searched or scrutinized is the word you want to write in there. They searched or they scrutinized the Scriptures. And the second blank is daily, not weekly, not monthly, not annually, every day. The believers in Berea, they were more noble. Why? Because they would search the Scriptures 
every day. They didn't just go to they didn't just go to synagogue, sit down, and here comes Paul dropping this strange new doctrine on them and going, oh well, you know, hey, that's pretty good. Because you want to know what? It is just as dangerous, maybe even more dangerous. It is equally dangerous. Here's one response: You go to church. We go to church. Preach, 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 preach. You're hearing it. You're going, man, I don't believe none of that. You just sit there. You might nod your head. You might look at the preacher, make eye contact with him, and nod and go, I don't believe a blessed word that man's saying. Okay? Guess what? That's dangerous. You're rejecting the word. Guess what else is dangerous? Preach, 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 preach. And guess what? You're sitting there, my dad used to say, uh, like a bunch of baby birds in a nest that their eyes ain't even opened yet. You just got your mouth open waiting for the mom bird to cram a worm down your throat. Brother Hagen used to say, eat the straw and spit out the sticks. Here's another one my my country, the little country colloquialisms my dad used to drop when he preached. He'd say, chickens got more sense than a lot of Christians do. He said, because you could take two gallons of cracked corn and two gallons of sawdust and mix it together and dump it out in the chicken coop and the chicken's got enough sense just to eat the cracked corn and leave the sawdust. And some Christians will just open their, open their ears up and just gobble up anything that anybody on TV or anybody standing behind a pulpit says. And you know that is, that is probably just as dangerous as you to sit in a church and just deflect, reject, I don't want to hear that, don't believe that, don't believe that, ain't going to receive that. It's just as dangerous to just swallow, blindly swallow anything that you're taught. Because guess what? You can be, someone can be wrong. People can be wrong. Do we believe that some people have got off in false doctrine? There's stuff that I've taught four or five years ago that I've got a different perspective on now. I've had more revelation. And you know what? In, in the situations where I can, I'll go back and I'll tell people now, I used to say this, but you know what? I've got some revelation and I missed it in this area. And this is the right thing. And I'm going to tell you what, you get a minister that says that, that is a pretty good indicator. You've got someone that's a person of integrity that can stand up and say, you know what, I have to let you know something. I remember one of our instructors at Bible school said that. That he taught, that he taught a particular subject one year, and it was a first-year class, and then the, the following year uh, he had realized he got something wrong, and he asked for special audience with the students that he had taught the year before, didn't have a class scheduled to teach with him, but got with him so he could go back and he could tell him, you know what, I was wrong about something. Well, what's the point? The point is, it said the Bereans were more noble, they were higher in rank, and what are we talking about? We're talking about spiritually, right? They weren't, they weren't better people just a better breed of people were they? We're talking spiritually. They were higher in rank spiritually. Why? Because they received the Word, but then they went daily and they scrutinized the Scriptures to see if what they were being taught was so. Because I'm going to tell you what, you don't have to turn your teeth, you don't have to go real far to find false doctrine to find people that will tickle your ears. Oh, don't you think? We could have a whole lot more people in this building right now. Pastor Earl said it down in St. Augustine, man. They could already have that theater full, man, if he was willing to compromise on some stuff that he saw in the Word. Huh? I mean, they're running, what, 325, 350 people in St. Augustine, and they got a theater that will seat 650 or 670. They could already have that thing filled up if Pastor Earl just wouldn't get off on that baptism of the Holy Ghost. Oh, come on, man. Just soften up on the Holy Ghost stuff a little bit. You know, that, that speaking in tongues stuff, it freaks people out. I, I love what he says. You know, Pastor Earl got up and he, he wrapped off a couple of words that he'd learned in Spanish when he went to Nicaragua, you know. Usually amounted to uh, Cafe Negro Solo. Only black coffee. Right? He said, you know, if, I, if, if someone come in here and I said, hola, you know, uh, you know, if I said, ¿Cómo está? ¿Dónde es el baño? Nobody's freaking out, right? If I look at you and go, ¿Dónde es el baño? Chuck's not going, Oh my gosh, he's talking to me. i got to get out of here. Ah! Right? Okay? Bathroom's right over there, right? ¿Dónde es el baño? The bathroom's right over there. Guess what, though? I just spoke in a different language. 
A lot of people will get all freaked out because when someone, when, you're, when someone gets filled with the Holy Ghost and they're speaking in tongues, you're speaking in your heavenly language. You're speaking the, king, the, the language of the kingdom. But guess what? He, he could back off of it a little bit. You don't have to be so hard about it. And you could compromise. This is the thing. Don't ever compromise when you know you're right. That's what politicians ought to get a hold of. They ain't got no backbones, though. They ain't got no backbones. Well, you don't compromise if you're right, you know. If you're right, and the, if you have the firm conviction that you're right and the other person's wrong, you don't compromise. And if you compromise, that means you realize you're wrong, so you might as well just go ahead and side with the person that's right, right? Amen. Glory to God. But the, belie- the believers in Berea were more noble. They were higher in rank spiritually because they would uh, scrutinize the Scriptures daily to see if it, how, how to say, it said, um, said that they would scrutinize the Scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. That's why you ought to take notes. That's why you ought to get a CD. You ought to listen to it. You know? That's what, you, you need to be in the Word. We've got these schedules printed out over here for the chronological uh, Bible thing. I'm going to tell you what. Some people, it might seem real, a real daunting task to read through the whole Bible uh, in a year, if you've never read through the whole New Testament, you might be intimidated. But you can do it. You take about 15 minutes a day and you stay consistent. 15 minutes a day. Then you waste that much time surfing the Internet or, you know, channel surfing. I guarantee you, if you've got a remote control and you're a man, you waste, you waste more than 15 minutes a day channel surfing. Well, men are more notorious for it. I was giving, you, I was giving, I was giving ladies a break. I mean, I was giving the women a break. Hallelujah. They, but we need to be students of the Word. There is nothing on the earth that is more worthy of your study or more beneficial in your life than study of the Word of God. Amen? Next thing on your handout, I want, I want to bring this out real quick. <clears throat> the greatest mistake that someone can make about faith. Would you like to know that? We're talking about faith that moves mountains. Jesus said, if you have faith, you can say to the mountain, be cast into the sea and be removed. The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Not difficult. This is impossible. You're not, in other words, you ain't going to please Him. No chance. Nada. Ain't going to happen. Without faith, you don't please God. The, so what's the greatest mistake? I, you know, this is the thing. If something can be done wrong, if I'm going through the process of doing something that's important and there's something that could be a catastrophic error, you know, don't ever press that button. You press it. it that's self-destruct. You press boom, it's gone. Don't ever press that button. Whatever you do, don't do that, Right? The greatest mistake that someone can make about faith is to mistake the awareness of facts to be faith. I'm going to drive this one home. The greatest mistake that you can make about faith is to think that just because you're aware of facts, just because you're aware of information, that that's faith. That's, that's no more faith than the man on the moon. Don't get me wrong, it's essential because faith and ignorance are impossible roommates. If you're going to have faith, you've got to know something. But just knowing the something is not faith. Right? Because we done told you, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So the, and, and hearing the Word of God and accepting it as truth. There's two things. You've got to have the Word of God. You've got to have the fact that you accept it as truth. Do you know in, in, in a combustion engine that you can have gas going into the cylinder and that spark plug fire all day long, but guess what? If there ain't no oxygen getting mixed in the cylinder, you ain't going to have no combustion, are you, Chuck? What happens? You get a flooded engine, right? You'll flood it out because there ain't no combustion going on up in there. Same thing about the Word of God. Is it possible that a person could go to church two, three times a week? That they could have notebooks full of notes 
from the best. They've, man, I've driven all over town. I've drove to Jacksonville. I've drove to Atlanta. I've drove to Tallahassee. I've heard this uh, Brother Big Britches. I've heard Sister uh, Fancy Pants. I've heard this one and that one and all these other people. I've heard the best preachers in the world. I've got notes from when Brother Hagen came into Jacksonville 30 years ago. I've got notes from yada, 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 whoever, name dropping, big name people, faith people, people that moved mountains in their life and had tremendous success in ministry. I've got shelves full of notebooks. My closet, I, you know, my closet is full of boxes full of notebooks. And guess what? Ain't got a bit of faith. Don't have a bit of faith. Won't even speak to a sniffle. They get a snotty nose and they're running off to the doctor before they even try to stand on faith. They get a bill, they hop on the phone and they call everybody in their family that's got a checkbook uh, asking them if they can float them alone a little bit before they start speaking God's Word to it. Least little thing comes along, every little bump, some little bump in the road, they hit it and the wheels fly off their bus. Why? They ain't got no faith. Oh, but they got they can quote the Word. Congratulations, darling. The devil can too. He did that to Jesus, didn't he? Luke chapter 4. Didn't the devil do a pretty good job of quoting the Word? Huh? Just being able to quote the Scriptures, because this is the thing. Turn back to Mark chapter 11. Man, I want to shut it down. Amen. I'm just getting warmed up good. Hallelujah. Maybe I'll teach this Monday evening. Amen. Mark chapter 11. 23, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says is going to happen, it shall be granted him. Do you know that it's possible to go through all the motions, go through all the spiritual gyrations, Do you know that you can speak the right thing? You speak God's Word. Do you know that you can do the right thing? You can say, you know what, man, I, it's tight, but I'm going to go ahead and put my tithe in. See, I had people gripe about the first year we, that we started the church. I had people gripe about, why does that preacher take so much time during the offering? Why don't we just pass the bucket and let's dump our money in and just get out of here? Because I take about five minutes and teach on releasing your faith when you give tithes. That it needed to be an act of faith. That you weren't just some bucket plunking. That you weren't, oh, yeah, I just got to put my money in. Because if I don't, God's going to tear up something. He's going to get his somehow. I had, I've had people tell me that before. I pay my tithes because I know, man, I did. I, I skipped it once and God broke something to mine. I had transmission go out and something. And I, I tithe now. I got, God, I'm like, God still didn't get your tithe money. Transmission shop got your money, you nodhead. But it is possible to say all the right things, to go through the motions of doing the right thing. You can come to, man, you can be super Christian. You can go to church two, three times a week. Put your tithe in, get your little perfect attendance pin for ten consecutive years or whatever. Go through all, and guess what? You don't believe a thing in your heart. You just go through the motions. You don't believe it in your heart. You're just, Saying it because that the you're speaking Christianese, you're in your group of peers, and if I don't say that, everybody's gonna think, "What's wrong with you?" So I just say the right thing, and I just do the right thing. So I blend in, and and guess what? You don't believe it, and and then a genuine mountain comes up, and you speak to it, and guess what? It ain't moving. You gonna speak to it? Uh, be thou removed and cast into the sea. Well, I knew it wasn't gonna work anyway. Where I try, you know, this is the thing. You know the right things. Lord, help me find the scripture. I'm going to give you this scripture, and we're going to, I'm going to wrap it up. Pastor Shine, help me. Is it Second Timothy? Um, no, that's every. That's all scriptures inspired of God. Yeah, there it is. 2 Timothy 3, 7. Thank you, Cindy. 
2 Timothy 3, 7. We're going to say this and finish up. It says, I'm, I'm just going to start with verse 1. I like to give you stuff in its context. I don't like to just check it. But realize this, in the last days, difficult times will come. Well, thanks for that encouragement, right? In the last days, difficult times will come. Are we living in difficult times? Listen to this and see if this does not sound to you like it is describing the world you live in. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable. That means that people have arguments and fallen outs and you can't do nothing to get them back together. Irreconcilable differences. Malicious gossips. Wow. Malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness although they have denied its power and its power avoid such men. It doesn't say it doesn't even say try to win them back over. It doesn't say try to get them converted. It says avoid them. Well, I just don't believe that. I just got to walk in love, Pastor Brian. I just feel like I just need to just reach out to it. Avoid them. That's the word. Avoid them. It says, verse 6, Among whom are those who enter into households, my gosh, among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighted down with sin, led on by various impulses, listen to this, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's on your handout. Ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. What do you mean? I've got all the notebooks. I've got all this. I've got these tapes. I've got this series. I've done this, this, this. I can tell you what this person said. I can tell you what that person said. I can tell you what the Bible says. But guess what? I don't accept none of it as truth. Oh, but pastor... They accepted this truth. Really. We don't have time to get into it tonight, but I will just say this. How do you know? Do you know that it is absolutely 100% fail-safe, indisputable, there is indisputable evidence whether or not someone accepts the Word of God as truth? You want to know what it is? How many of you want to? How many of you just want to be quiet and, and let's go home, or, or leave you at that cliffhanger? Or you want to know what it is? There is one hundred percent, always accurate, indisputable way to tell whether someone actually believes the Word of God. They do it. Remember, faith, a belief, a persuasion, or a conviction based on God's Word, rightly divided, held so strong that it controls what you think, say, and do. If you really believe you're supposed to love someone, love works no ill to its neighbor. If you do things that works ill towards your neighbor, you don't love them and you do not believe that. You do not have faith, Bible faith, that you're supposed to love people. If you are habitually doing things that causes harm to someone else. That is how you can tell whether someone really has faith. What are they speaking? What are they doing? Uh, do, they say, do they say this? Because this is the thing people will say. Because remember, I said I'm going to reiterate this and then, we're, and then we're finished. The greatest mistake that someone can make about faith is to mistake the awareness of facts as, as being faith. Because somebody can lie on a hospital. What's the difference between somebody lying in a hospital bed, dying and quoting Scripture that they are just wishing would work, and somebody else laying in a hospital bed, dying, and they're laying there speaking the Word, knowing in their heart, I believe this with all my heart, gets God's Word, I'm going to speak my faith, I'm going to release it, and that one gets healed, and this one they dig a hole for them. 
This one right here that you couldn't that you couldn't ever convince them any there's ever going to be any other way than what God's word said. And this one here was talking one thing to you, and when you left, they were on the phone telling their family how they wanted their funeral to be. You know whether someone has faith in God's word because they do it. Because now this is the thing you don't know what their thoughts are. This is the thing God's not played. And this is why it is so important for us. Do not make the mistake. And see, this is why I'm, st- this is why I'm telling you. And you say, Pastor, are you mad? No, I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about this. Because I want every one of us to come to a point in our life where as believers, we examine ourselves. You know, you're encouraged to examine yourself. Evaluate yourself and say, do I... Do I really have faith? Because me and Pastor Shine have had to do this. We've been doing this in the past two or three months. We've talked, man. We're like, man, are we really in faith? Because there was stuff that uh, that we had been, uh, you know, said that we were believing God for that just didn't, you know. And we're like, okay. Now I know the word works, so let's do some introvert. Let's do some introspection here and take a look at ourselves and see is there something we need to tweak? Because this is the thing. You and you should know this. You go to a church where. Pastor Earl loves you, and I love you enough to where I would rather kind of get up in your face, so to speak, about what we say we believe and get you to do a spiritual gut check and say, wait a minute, I need to check some stuff out. And if there's changes that have to be made, because this is the thing. If, if something's got to change, change it. Repent. Change the way you think. Behold, behold! I put before you today life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose. Choose this day what you have. Because this is the thing. Would you rather have someone that loves you enough to maybe challenge what you believe every once in a while in light of Scripture and get you to have to say, hmm, you know, I need to bring it up a notch. Or someone that would just pet you where you're at. Oh, I'm okay. You're okay. I love you, you love me, we're a happy family. Give you some Barney religion. And let the devil clean your plow your whole life and kill you early. Man, I'd rather go someplace where somebody loved me enough, man, where they're going to challenge me. If, if you get man, if you get on my toes, then they need to be got on. That's that's what I, that's always been my attitude ever since I grew up in a little country denominational church. I grew up in man. If the preacher, if anything the preacher's saying that's coming from God's word gets on my toes, then stomp them, baby, because they need to be got on to. Because there's life in the word when we hear the word and mix it with faith, it is profitable. Amen. Let's pray, Father. We come to you in Jesus' name.